I told you I was going to be showing you a bunch of books. Obviously, there's been recommended reading in the uh, in the notes. Um, as you've been reading through those notes or looking at them, there are recommended readings uh, for you, book recommendations. Um, uh, as I said, the, uh, a lot of this curriculum is actually based off of uh, MacArthur's successful Christian parenting. There's actually probably about three or four editions or versions of this book, um, one that looks almost identical, but it's not the same book. So make sure that you get the, well, not that the other one's bad, but <laughs> this one, Successful Christian Parenting, is, is very similar to a lot of the notes that you will be reading. Uh, another couple of books, uh, for those of you um, that prefer shorter reads, um, maybe like myself, uh, here are a couple of books, uh, Parenting God's Way. Uh, this is by Alistair Begg. If you uh, like listening to Alistair Begg, I would recommend reading this in a Scottish accent. So, um, uh, or if you know somebody that can do that, uh, Parenting God, God's Way by Alistair Begg. It's a very uh, helpful, very um, principle-based, uh, focuses on the husbands and then goes to uh, the, uh, the wives, the mothers, uh, halfway through the book. So it's, it's really good. I would recommend that. The other... Probably This is probably one of those books that uh, whenever somebody comes to me and says, hey, if I were to read one book on parenting or if you'd recommend one book on parenting, this would be that, that book. Um, do any of you like reading J.C. Ryle? He's, he's not here with us anymore. Um, he's an older fellow. Um, but he, his book, Duties of Parents, um, you can actually find this PDF form or ebook form for free online. Um, but I've, I've got the paper copy because I like paper copies. And uh, I think Clay and I commiserate and we're crying all the time every time we read this. Um, so <laughs> we, we're going back and forth as to how helpful this is. So this book I would recommend to anyone. It's called Duties of Parents by J.C. Ryle. And then uh, last one is uh, another MacArthur book called Brave Dad, Raising Your Kids to Love and Follow God. Um, this is uh, this is very helpful for all of you. If don't worry about it. if you don't get these titles down, I'll leave them up here for at the end. You're welcome to come up here unless you have to go get your kids. But you're welcome to come up here and, and look at these. Um, I, I don't have these actually don't have markups in them that much. So you're welcome to look at these, uh, peruse the uh, outlines and all that, and hopefully that will be helpful to you. But we we mentioned how uh, parenting. Uh, takes courage. Parenting takes um, a lot of force and planning and preparation. And so you have to be very brave and when you come into uh, uh, parenting. And a lot of times we don't think that that is the case. But uh, MacArthur actually uh, attests to that in, in that book. So I would recommend that. Uh, many other books that I have um, that I w- I'll continue to, to give you as recommendations uh, throughout our time. But we'll go ahead and get started with uh, our lesson uh, by opening in prayer. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us, uh, even as uh, Clay demonstrated so well through your word this morning. Uh, what, a, what a blessing and privilege to sit under that teaching and to be reminded yet again, Lord, that you loved us. And that is the only reason that we would love you in return. And, uh, Father, even in our iniquity, even in our sin, uh, Christ died for us. You sent him to be the greatest sacrifice, the, the magnitude of your sacrifice and your love for us is put on display in those very acts. And, Father, as we consider parenting uh, this evening with one another, may we consider even those, um, those uh, principles that, that we were taught this morning of love and uh, the greatness of that love and that, um, uh, Father, we are sinners trying to raise sinners and um, we once walking in our own foolishness are now trying to, in our new minds, uh, trying to raise those that are walking in foolishness and help us, Father, to be faithful to that, but help us not to lean upon our own understanding but on the understanding that you have given us through your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, I couldn't help but just think how providential it was that um, uh, Clay was teaching the passage this morning uh, out of First out of John and coming into our lesson tonight. Um, 
on uh, parents as disciplinarian, the parent as disciplinarian, uh, because uh, we are going to be having to focus all a lot of our minds on caring for and, and loving for our children in these. So we're going to be talking about that as we look at this role. Uh, but that love that God has shown to us um, put, put on display very well in the passage this morning. Um, that carries over and should weigh heavy upon our hearts and minds as we even consider this, this wonderful role that we have been given um, uh, as parents, and that is of disciplinarian. Um, but just to recap, uh, first week we looked at the parents' priorities. Um, then we looked at the parents' goal. And last week we considered the parents' challenges, and those challenges were things that uh, some of which we considered were keeping the right motivation. Uh, a lot of times it's very easy for us to become man-pleasers, and so we will be very self-focused and focused on trying to look good before others or at least represent well like we are uh, got it all together and that everything is good in our household and instead, we are simply pleasing ourselves and pleasing others in, the, in, the, in that time. And we're having an issue with uh, trust and fear, we talked about. Then we looked at keeping the right focus. Uh, biblical parenting is, is not a complicated thing because God has given us all that we need for this responsibility that he has called us to. But biblical parenting allows uh, a variety of ways to apply biblical truth. And so there are uh, various, uh, various ways that, uh, that the world tries to um, throw at us to, of how to parent correctly, and you know, a lot of quick fixes. You know, read this book and you'll have a new child in three days. Um, all those things, uh, we have to remind ourselves to keep the right focus. Keep the right focus in the sense that um, what has God said about this child and what has God said about our responsibility to care for and raise this child? And in doing that, we are also to keep the right balance. There's an external versus an internal. We're trying to uh, understand how to give them freedom, but also um, so that they can have responsibility while also holding on to them, making sure that they're not going too far with that freedom and that responsibility. So all these things that we're considering um, are really the challenges that we as parents um, are, are going to view and, and going to uh, engage with. So uh, if you're unable to be here last week or maybe you just were really tired last week and when I was speaking, um, you're welcome to go back. Uh, the, that, that lesson is now posted uh, for you to be able to go back and review, and that's lesson number three. But tonight, uh, we're going to be considering the parents' roles. This is a, a first part of, of a series of... Um, of of lessons that look at the parents' roles, and and really we're on a mission. We as believers, we as parents, are on a mission. We are to consider ourselves as ambassadors for Christ. Second Corinthians five twenty uh, tells us that, and really it's in every every area of life. But for parents, this means being a faithful steward and in using biblical principles to raise our children. But we are to call children to be reconciled to God and to serve the Lord. So that's what we as ambassadors are supposed to do. We are representatives of God. That's what an ambassador is. One who represents one with authority without really the being the one that has that authority. So the only reason you are there representing is because that person has now put you in that place of authority because he has that authority. And so we are Christ's ambassadors, and we are to call our children to be reconciled to God and to serve the Lord. And hopefully that is a prayer that you have on your lips every single day, whether that's morning uh, or midday or evening or in the moment when you are frustrated with your child, in the moments that, that you are disciplining, correcting, training your child, or in the evenings as you're even putting your children to bed, you know, praying, Lord, um, I pray that my child would be reconciled to you because they are, the Bible says, an enemy of yours in this moment. But after, when they are reconciled to you, I pray that they would serve you with their lives. So, one, we represent his values and we represent his glory. So we have to show them what the standard is 
and in so doing, we help them see where they are in light of God's um, values and his glory. And as we see that, that we are ambassadors for God, what that does is that actually, uh, one, one person said it, detoxifies our anger. And what do I mean by that? What, the, what I mean by that is when your child rebels or rebels against you, it's not now, oh, I'm offended because my child has ain't been angry towards me or my child has rebelled against me. How could they do such a thing to me? Now, as I am a representative, it's how could my child do something so great and offensive against a holy God? So I'm not the one now who is receiving that sinful action. It is really God who is receiving that. The one, the one who is offended is actually God. So understanding that role that I am an ambassador of Christ, that helps me to make sure that I keep myself in check as we consider this topic of the parent as disciplinarian. Well, as we, as we go on this journey tonight to look at our, our ambassadorship, it takes, us, um, takes on several different roles in order to help us fulfill our ultimate goal. And the first one we're going to look at is the parent as disciplinarian, the parent as disciplinarian. And we've mentioned this text numerous times already in our study, but Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline, the training and instruction of the Lord. And remember, that was a, an active bringing them up. And as we said in part two, the parent's goal, this, this verse contains several key phrases. The term bring up is active. It's a continuous command. But we noted discipline is, is best explained under the, the general heading of training. Oftentimes when we think of discipline, our immediate thought or our minds immediately go to correction, right? When I say discipline, a lot of times in regards to parenting, ultimately our minds think of that's, that means I have to spank my kid. Well, that's not exactly what this is referring to. It, it, it involves correction, but that's not all. It's not just correction. It goes under that general hitting of training, which includes rules, guidelines, restrictions, rewards, and structure, and also correction. You know, some experts who came to their conclusions merely through observation of children tell us that discipline is harsh, it's out of date, and that parents are not proficient enough to do the job. And what kind of trust, however, can one place in the results of sinful minds studying sinful man? Certainly, their conclusions contradict clear teaching of Scripture, and the following verses really still apply uh, today. So looking at Proverbs 13.24, Proverbs 19.18, Proverbs 23.13-14, we can't ignore these passages. If uh, We're not going to read through them right now, but if we were to read through those things, we can't ignore these passages because the culture now says that, oh, well, that doesn't really work today in this setting or in this context. Or actually, you know, we've studied it and we've seen that children who were brought up in that way show all of these other symptoms and signs of, of reactions and actions that that's not really a loving and biblical way or a correct way of caring for a child. Well, again, I go back to saying, are we going to trust sinful minds studying sinful man? What does God say about the way we discipline, the way that we train our children? Some question discipline by saying that uh, many who were disciplined firmly turned out badly. But that's not the fault of a biblical discipline. In fact, it may be the result of an unbiblical discipline. Let's look at and why, un, why discipline may not be effective. Or in other words, let's look at some characteristics of unbiblical discipline. Unbiblical discipline, uh, it depends excessively on controlling the child. Unbiblical discipline depends excessively on controlling the child. What might be some ways that we control a child excessively? You guys have some examples or thoughts on that? How can we control the child excessively? 
letting them suffer. Not letting them suffer? Right, okay. bad decisions. Yeah. We try and protect them too yeah, much. Okay, yeah. Not allowing them to fall or... Fall, or uh, instead of letting that be a lesson and teaching them through that. Okay. Katie, I'm sorry. I kept cutting you off. Uh, no. <laughs> I was going to say, trying to take away, um, like, their guilt or um, the feeling yeah. of, of guilt when they do something wrong and wanting to just make them feel better. Okay, yeah, that's true. You come in and, and try and save the day, be the hero, and not allow the weight of what they've just done really be uh, weight weighty upon their minds, their conscience. Good. We try to manipulate their behavior through anger. Ah, yeah. You know, just like showing them that we really mean business, and so we get loud, or we clap our hands, or we, you know, get in their face. Mm. Just like we're trying to, trying to control behavior, you know, by doing that. Yeah, yeah we're going to talk about that here in a moment. Put your seatbelts on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this uh, unbiblical discipline depends excessively on controlling the child. This is really too much discipline without a balance of instruction. Too much discipline without a balance of instruction. Uh, Really, you you want to train a child to control themselves. It's not a matter of of you always manipulating, as, as Clay said. It's not a matter of you coming in, setting up the dice, making sure that everything's laid out. You do these things, boom, 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 and all that is taken care of. Now, let me say, it is good for us to set up. Remember what we talked about that um, uh, last week even? Uh, we were talking about having... Um, uh, rules and guidelines in the home, things that you, restrictions that you want to set up to help your child uh, to build those disciplines in their own lives. It's good for us to do that. But if we do that excessively to where they can't make a decision on their own, that's when we get become excessive. It's too much discipline, too much rigidity without a balance of instruction. Really, you're hoping the end is that your child is going to be able to control themselves in the end. Obviously, that's under the guise of the spirit. You know, the spirit will control and direct them. But that's your, that's your hope in the end. Correction alone, it does not produce the kind of change that we desire in our children because the child is not building inner convictions. You know, just always barking at them, correcting them in that sense, what we call correction, it doesn't always, it doesn't alone produce the kind of change that we desire in our children because the child is not building inner convictions. In other words, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't wear that. Don't act that way. What you're hoping, what you need to be doing is don't do this because... And then you help them understand biblically why that's important. Why don't we say that in our home? Why don't we watch this thing on TV? Why don't we act this way in public? Is it because mom and dad will be very embarrassed? Yeah. Look at your motivations. Remember last week's lesson? What is your motivation? Help them understand the motivation of why we say do this, don't do that. If you're always giving that correction without giving, helping them understand, you're not helping them build inner convictions. You're not helping them build those, oh, I probably shouldn't do that this time because now I understand what the outcome will be or what God has said about this very thing. Do you have your hand raised? Yeah. Most people seem to raise their kids like they raise their dogs. They wait till they mess up and then they correct them. <laughs> and usually they don't correct them until they get mad. Yeah. But just destroy the purpose of the correction. Mm. I came home from work one evening when our older boys were small, and my wife was like hanging from the wall by her fingernails. And I said, Bad day, huh? And she said, Mm hmm. She'd gone grocery shopping with the boys, and she'd run out exactly what we should have expected. Well, firstborn Ricky's the natural leader. He's got to get ahead of mom and go to the next aisle before the rest of the tribe does. Bad idea. Tim, the ultimate mechanic, he's got to see how many cans you can remove from that pyramid before the whole thing is the floor. <laughs> Nathan wants to ride on the car. Little Josh trying to grab everything from the car off the shelf. They didn't know how to act, and so it would have been really 
wrong of her to come down and correct you. So we just packed them up in the car, took them back to the grocery store, went up and down every aisle, told them beforehand, here's a few simple rules, and the, few, the fewer rules and the simpler, the easier they are to obey. Mm. We gave them a few simple rules, here's what we're going to do, here's what we're not going to do, here's why, and we went through it. And we got several chances to remind them because they're little kids. Yeah. But so often, it's so tempting, your parents, you know, were people were lazy, and so we don't want to we don't want to work until we get a reproof, and then we turn that on to the kids. It's not their fault. They did yeah. not know. Yeah, it's hard to do things correctly if we if we're never told what we are to do and why we do it that way. Um, uh, you know, working in in the uh, the secular world. Um, there's lots of things that can go wrong if you don't do things according to the plan. And if you're un- not understanding why you don't do that, oftentimes you may want to push the envelope and just do it because they said don't do it. But also helping you understand that if you push that valve too far, everyone will die in here. That's a pretty big reason to not do that thing. <laughs> so uh, obviously that, you can apply that to kids too. But... <laughs> But, no, it's good. Good, Rick. It's helpful. Katie? And just in addition to that, I think, and I say this out loud for myself to remind myself as well, but um, doing it that one time of instructing that one time is not enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, that's, I, I get stuck into that of, like, okay, well, fine, well, I'll instruct you, and it will tell you. Yeah. But then the next time they do it, I get just as frustrated as the first time. And it's like I have to remember, like, no, I, instruction includes multiple times, yeah. multiple lessons. It's not just the one. Patience, yeah. I did tell you that, right? Yeah, yeah. We did. We went over this before, right? Yeah, yeah. Unlike yeah. adults who learn their lessons first. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. The parenting for life, right? Yeah. Clay. Yeah. So feel free to volley this question. Yeah. You know, we've got little ones, and so how how do you navigate just clear, simple instruction in the moment versus like it turning into a, a long talk every time, yeah. you know, with the, with the little kids. People are always explaining the whys to everything versus just you need to obey me because <coughs> I said so because yeah. God's putting me in charge. Um, any, any thoughts on that as far as like... Yeah. I'm not we just... Want be, we want to be answering the why question, especially as they grow older. Um, yeah. That's, my, my question is... It's a good question. Defined in my mind. Just... How do you know when you're talking too much? I guess when you have little ones. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've I've dealt with that. Um, you know. You know where you're you're correcting them. Say, don't do this because of X, Y, and Z. And then they all of a sudden say something that has nothing to do with what they had already done, and they've already forgotten the whole scenario. So. Yeah, there's that's a that's a hard thing to balance there, but that was not an answer to your question. I was just commenting that we've I've dealt with that before. Anybody have some insight on that? I'm not saying I don't. I'm just opening it up. So Mark. Paul Tripp has the best uh, way of handling that. He always asks them a series of questions so they can understand what they're thinking. What were you thinking when you did this? What did you want from this? You know, did you? Did you think there was a consequence to this when you did it? I mean, just a few couple questions, and then right to the discipline. The younger they are, like zero to six, mm-hmm. you're more apt to go right into the discipline rather than the reasoning. Yeah. The reasoning stuff is later. You want to establish authority when zero to six. That's just a number, but when they're younger. So I, one thing that Paul does he, to keep them from being bitter mm-hmm. is to ask those particular, what were you trying to do? Why did you do this to your sister? What were you trying to get from that? But you know that sin, and then you know what the consequences are, and then give it to them. So that's what—that's usually the rule of thumb. It's not a, a science, but at that age, it's usually the rule of thumb. Yeah. <clears throat> one thing I wrote down about that just—you uh, can—is there's two important rules to parenting for that. When you're talking, I don't want to go too far ahead or behind, but rules without relationships result in bitterness hmm. in children. And then relationships without rules result in rebellion in your children. So just as a rule of thumb, you can't, like, I had a family that's uh, in Florida when I was pastoring there. They were really, really tough. They were very strong in the rules. 
but at the same time, they need to have balance that with time with them and have a relationship with them. People who have a good relationship with them really don't have a lot of rules, so they don't follow through with a lot of discipline structure. Mm -hmm. So you got to have a balance of that, basically. Otherwise, you're going to have bitterness for a long time, and they, they carry that on into their own adulthood, or um, rebellion. You say, why are my kids so rebellious? Well, it's, a lot of times it's because they're not used to the structure up front. Yeah. Yes. I say one thing about the, about the timing. I was simply encouraged to to protect some areas like lunchtime or mealtime, rather, or bedtime, not to use. I I wouldn't have used bedtime as a scolding moment to remind them of their. Bedtime is always more of a affirming, I love you, because we were very very strict about bedtime. We never had. It was always very clear. We're in bed. We're done. We're not, there's no chapter two to this, you know. So we never had. It. But to this day, to this day, my girls still call up and say, "Kiss good night." I mean, because bedtime was not the moment to leave them with that last reminder of what they did bad that day. Yeah. So and meal time, I think meal time a continual lecture on their behavior. Mm. So there's, I think there's times where you also need to, to have a, a dedicated time where you have to address and have that talk, not just spill over in, in every aspect of your relationship with kids. It's helpful. It's good. Don? I think, as Mark said, uh, when they're younger, uh, you're having to get you know, captured. You're having to, to set that authority. Uh, because, I mean, when we raised our kids, when our kids were little, it was, when do you obey? The first time. Mm. It's not when I call it, when I count three or whatever. It's when do I obey? The first time. Because there could be some, we had a friend, his daughter was just playing and running, and she ran out into the street, was running out into the street. And, uh, you know, he called her, and she, you know, didn't listen. Mm. And fortunately, she didn't get hit. But I mean, she was almost hit yeah. because she just wasn't paying attention. So, uh, setting that authority. But then, to your to your question, it's, it depends on their their comprehension at the time and what's going on. You know, you can't. Yeah, you got to. I know you wouldn't do this, but you know, you got to. I'm exaggerating here, but you got a party going on, and the kid messes up. You don't spend 15 minutes explaining why he messed up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's drawing them back in at the right time as much as they can, as a little one can comprehend. So you have to gauge that, and each child comprehends differently. Yeah. You know, at different ages. <coughs> so, like Mark said, it's not science, but it's it's something that you you have to be aware of the child. You know, are they looking for an answer? Are they looking for more, more information? You know, so um, you know, I, I think that's. Uh, their comprehension and is it the right time uh, yeah yeah if you're setting the authority early on and when I say early on it's toddler age you know uh, a year year and a half on into two years you know they know immediately when you say stop doing that and they don't stop if you begin to move to go towards them they're going to react you know Oh, yep, I knew I did that. That was wrong. I'm in trouble now. <laughs> you know, they're, they're automatically thinking in the right. Yeah, they know what's, uh, what's right and what's wrong because they see that authority that has been set. And so if you, if you are taking that as an opportunity to realize that at that moment, you know, say Oliver, who's, you know, uh, two, if he understands that he has done something wrong, that's really at that age, I don't have to go through an explanation because one, cognitively, he's not going to know certain things. So yeah, you know, think of the age, how much can they comprehend? Um, an older child, though, you're going to want to help them think through it. And that's where what Mark was saying, those principles of good questions, helping them work through it rather than you just talking and unloading is, is helpful. Yeah. 
Well, we, we had an uh, extended family member. I mean, the kids spilled milk and spanked their child. Yeah. And it was an accident. Sure. Know? And it was, you know, so understanding their kid. Yeah. You know? What's what's appropriate? Yeah. What's understandable as a as an infant and or as a toddler? And then what is you know true rebellious nature being unleashed in that moment? Yeah. Yeah. Helping uh, having discernment and understanding that's really really good, really helpful. So, Mark. But the Bible says that foolishness is tied up in the heart of a child. Yeah. And the rods rise far from it. So sometimes Mark Juniors get spanked. Quite often because of his foolishness. Yeah. Okay, so he'd get carried away, so he's just acting like a kid, but we, he had the boundaries, he understood. <laughs> <laughs> huh? <laughs> <laughs> that was not Carmelie Hager. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry. laughs> and I would have used him if he would have, if he would have come tonight. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, I was like, you didn't go home and spank him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, that's good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, correct the child when it is required, but also teach. Um, the next time you are in a situation like this, what would God desire you to do? Obviously, a two-year-old, that's not going to be easy to, to work that out. But when it comes to a, a four or five, a six-year-old, you know, helping them understand what would God desire you to do, uh, what does God's word say about this type of situation? So those are kinds of things that you want to begin to work out uh, with your children as they increase in the knowledge and the understanding as you're working through that with them um, on the base-by-base cases. Yeah. But out-of-balance discipline may do uh, two things. First, it will provoke a child to rebel. So again, that goes back to what Mark said. Um, uh, a child to rebel, they they lose hope and respond in anger. You can truly, you know, break the will in the sense of just like I'm hopeless, and you know, I can never do right. I can never uh, do what what uh, I can never live up to the standard of mom and dad or of even God. Now, it's good for us to understand that we can come to that point, and that's where we call upon the Lord. And it's good reminders to do that. But you can also um, provoke them to the point to where they respond out of anger because they don't know how to handle and how to deal with that. That will also come if you don't explain to them what's expected and explain to them what the expectations are. Um, Prevent. um, Out-of-balance discipline may prevent the development of inner convictions. And when the child gets away from the structure, um, he follows the way he would go rather than the way he should go. Um, I don't know that I would apply this all the time in this situation, but Paul said in Philippians and uh, Philippians 2.12, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Paul had a, a, a loving relationship with his disciples that bore even more fruit apart from his presence. So how will your child or how will your children respond when they are away from the correction or the instruction of mom and dad? Um, is your correction balanced by your teaching and discussion with your child? Uh, is your discipline balanced by, by teaching and instruction? That's... That's what we're trying to ask ourselves. Uh, if, you're, if you're depending merely on controlling your child, then what is your child doing or saying when he thinks you aren't around? You know, your uh, goes back to last week when we were looking at the motivations and, and what is it that you're looking for. If you're just looking for the right end, the right result, the right outcome, you can correct a child, show them the way that they're supposed to do things, and they'll get the right outcome, and they'll do that, display that when it's the right time, meaning when I'm around mom and dad, when I'm around the pastor, when I'm around these people that I'm going to get in trouble if I don't do the right thing. But it can also create a person that will do those things, and then when they're away from that structure, when they're away from that care and, and love or that correction, they'll do whatever they want to do. Um, what about when you aren't in control? That's the, that's the question you want to consider. And so 
uh, out-of-balance discipline may create someone who is provoked to rebel. It may also prevent the development of inner convictions. I'm just doing these things because this is what I've been called to do. It's an outward expression. It's what's on the outside. It's not really something on the inside of, I should not do this because it offends a holy God. Well, mom and dad's not here, so I'm not going to offend them. So I'll just do whatever I want. They're not thinking about offending an omniscient God. What is your child's reputation at school or church? Beware of hypocrisy. If others say your child is usually out of line when you aren't around, consider it carefully and humbly. You ever had that happen where somebody comes and gives you a report of so-and-so acted this way in class or so-and-so did this at the game the other night? (sighs) Yeah, my child would never do that. What are you talking about? Are you sure we're talking about the same kid? Jeff never has this happen at TCS, but <laughs> so um, now we have cameras. Yeah. <laughs> Un unbiblical discipline. Unbiblical discipline disciplines in uncontrolled anger. Unbiblical discipline disciplines in uncontrolled anger. Explosive parents are never good disciplinarians. They are inconsistent. Um, same offenses get different responses. Do you struggle with that? Where in the moment, you know, uh, the kid did this thing, and yesterday they, you know, you let it slide, and then the, today they get two spankings for it, and then the next day it gets, you know, let go again. You're inconsistent. That's what happens a lot of time with explosive parents, those that discipline out of uncontrolled anger. And the, the worst response may be when the parent is angry over issues involving someone or something separate from their child. I, you know, for example, having a bad day at work and bringing your anger home. Maybe you come home, all the, uh, the people under your, uh, your authority have been uh, falling behind. They've been doing whatever was right in their own eyes, and you're ready to fire them all. And then you come home and your child does what is right in their own eyes and you fire them immediately to, to heaven. <laughs> you know, you're, you're ready for them to be, to be gone. That is, that is someone who is con- uncontrollable, uh, having uncontrollable anger. Remember, you are an ambassador of the Lord. You represent him. So you are not, it's not just about, oh, this offended me. This is an offense to a holy God. You represent God, and you will be the representative to them, and they will see what God is like, who Christ is like, through your care and love for them as well. Only discipline, um, sometimes uh, this can also happen um, with inconsistent parenting as well as um, responding when you're having a bad day, when you only discipline when something is bothering you. When something is bothering you, maybe it's an opportunity where it's just nagging at you. It's, it's something that uh, maybe is not a, a biblical uh, uh, sin or something like that. It's just something that is irritating to you, and you just explode because you're already um, unhinged. But parents must also be on guard against taking out unresolved anger to their children. Um, this can also be a parent with uh, parents not being on the same page. This is probably one of the biggest things that uh, uh, Mark and Cindy have really influenced us in parenting, and uh, not just them. I've heard you know Jeff and Jane talk about this as well, but mom and dad being on the same page, understanding uh, these are the guidelines. This is what we expect, and if they don't follow those expectations, this, this will be the end result. If mom and dad are on the same page, there's going to be an inconsistency uh, within that parenting. And even to the point to where maybe the wife to the husband is frustrated that he isn't addressing the sin. And finally she gets angry with him and says, Ah, why don't you ever do anything about this? And then he's angry and then goes to the child and says, I'll do something about it. Man, that, that, uh, that is such a volatile situation because now the husband's angry with the wife and now taking out that anger upon the child it's a dangerous dangerous situation that i've seen many many times 
And maybe God wants to use the conflict with the child to show us the other conflicts we've got to deal with. <laughs> There's always like root issues. Show you your lack of patience or your anger, your selfishness, whatever. And in this case, the inconsistency between the mom and dad. You've got a child discipline problem, maybe because you've got a marriage problem. Typically, it, it, it will all go back to, eventually, the root issues will be in your inconsistency. Your inconsistency with what you say is right and then what the end result or the outcome is supposed to be, but also the inconsistency between a, a mom and dad in the response. So, yeah, you're right, Rick. It's, it goes back to the parents' relationship, the mom and dad's relationship. Parents must be forgiving with their – yeah, sorry, Clay. Well, none of the rest of us do, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But I just, I found my own heart. Yeah. It's so hard to get on top of it because I feel so justified in it. Amen. So I yeah. just need truth to come to bear real quick. Yeah. And that's a helpful just mental image. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's good. Thanks. Up, uh, anger by using the word frustration, which is a form of anger. So, did I say frustrating? Yeah. No. Okay. Probably that, did. Sometimes the same, they're the same. Elements yeah. of trying to control things, you know. Call it what God calls it. Yeah. yeah those low level irritations are just easy to excuse. You know, yeah. excuse ourselves, but the same, the same thing. So, would, would it be proper, like, you know, if, if a situation arises like that and you are frustrated with, because you know, my child is doing this? Okay, if, if you know you're going to address it, probably not in the best way, especially with a younger child. What's the best way to handle that? To, to wait till later? I mean, because I, I know a lot of times if I say something to my kid, two hours later, they, you know, they completely sure. yep. erased it from their memory. Yeah. So what, Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I think, uh, again, it's not a science, but when it comes to that, you're, you want to confront, as Clay saying, your own anger first, and especially if that anger is making you to the point to where you're unhinged, you're uncontrollable, you're not self-controlled, because that's what we're called to be in, in, the, in the scriptures. So if you're unable to get yourself to that point, then you step away, um, send your child to the room. You let them stay in their room. Not that you're punishing them by saying, go to your room and stay there, and that's it. No, you're, you're going to control yourself. You're going to pray, calm yourself, get you to the right mind to where you then go and address it in a biblical way, in a controlled way. And so um, that's not going to take, hopefully, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Hopefully in just a couple of minutes, you know, you're able to, to get, the, get there. If you're not able to get there, then that you need to go see biblical counselor or something. Yeah. But no. <laughs> yeah. no, you know you can you, you don't worry about what they remember. You resurrect the incident. Yeah. Mm. So if I bring it back to them and say, "Remember when you did this and you shook your fist at me? You said no, blah blah blah." I resurrect it, and then I disappear. Yeah. So I don't worry about it. They well, they don't remember. There's no it, there's no use. Oh yes, there is. Denise. Yeah. Sometimes we can pull ourselves into thinking that what we're acting like in the home 
acceptable compared to what we would act outside the home or if somebody came into our home, we can actually control ourselves a whole lot more than sometimes we give ourselves credit for. <laughs> so that was something I felt I had to learn early on. If I'm yelling at the boys and the phone rings, all of a sudden I can control myself real quick. Real quick. Yeah. And I think, we, I think we have a tendency to yeah. think that you know we wouldn't, we wouldn't answer back that person in the office that way yeah. and we know those of us that you know have worked outside how quickly we can have somebody do something that just makes your head want to blow up mm. <laughs> and yet you still are able to control that so a lot of times we are not true true with ourselves we're 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 willing to cover up what, who we really are yeah yeah sometimes when i'm talking to the kids during I'm like, well, if so-and-so was here, would you be saying this? But it's the same. It's true. If Jesus were here, would you be saying this? But he did. So he's, it's just like, well, better keep my mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... The flip side of that is also true. It's like, that's who you really are. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So whatever facade you're putting on at work, you know, yeah. the, the true colors are coming out right here at home. Yeah. So that's helpful because yeah. it humbles us, right? And it's just like, that's where we need to work. Yeah. Um, to get, you know, to get at that. If we're willing to admit that, yeah, that's yeah. that's where it needs to be addressed. Yeah. Sure. And that's the first step of change, right? Like, that's right. We got it. We got to acknowledge that. Yeah. We're just going to pretend that we're not going to grow. Yeah. 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 Is that helpful? Is it good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The one thing about children, if you don't get the discipline right the first time, they will give you another opportunity. <laughs> 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 true yeah but you're striving for consistency let's go back to that so let's yeah the lord is gracious and and there is much grace needed in parenting but we're always striving for you know doing the right right thing and and hopefully solidifying these principles in our our normal everyday lives but uh one of the things you know i always thought uh when I recommended the the book The Heart of Anger for by Lou Priolo, I just thought, oh yeah, that's that's a book you need to read so that you can get your kids' angers uh, under under wraps. No, <laughs> it's really about my anger, my heart. How am I bringing them to anger? How am I provoking them to anger because of my own anger? And um, and so as you read that, uh, he even lists out was like twenty five or thirty different. <laughs> different ways the scriptures identify you know, how we are um, angry people and, and how we provoke to anger. So I would highly recommend, if you have not read it, read it. And there's even a workbook with it uh, that can even help you further. Uh, the Heart of Anger, it's actually on your on your notes there. So, And just FYI, I don't get any money for recommending these books. Mark might, but I don't. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, wow, okay. Um, as, as we go further, uh, discipline, uh, discipline just because the child is an inconvenience, that's another danger for us. Uh, we talked about this, you know, in, the, in motivations, you know, understanding our motivations in parenting, and oftentimes the goal is lost because the motivation is selfish. Uh, this is just an inconvenience to me, so... Um, one, we'll either discipline out of anger because it's an inconvenience or we will neglect the discipline because it is an inconvenience. We'll just, uh, okay, I'll let it go this time. I, you know, even, uh, I'm, well, okay, I don't want to go down that rabbit trail. But uh, this, uh, the parent doesn't discipline unless the child is bothering them. Uh, then instead they, they may explode for many things at once old and new and current issues. Any of you guys have any wisdom when it comes to um, hoarding anger towards old issues and, and not, not repenting, not, um, not allowing those things to be taken as far as the East is from the West as God does? Are, are you unwilling to forgive those things of old, but you build, bring them back up? 
And so all of a sudden you're just building and building until you just ultimately explode on the child. Any ways to handle that or to rightly um, see that within your own heart? A tendency to do that? Hmm. Exactly, but just my personality, I've never been an angry person until I had children. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked when I had my two oldest of how angry I would get. And I mean, I would shake, I would be so angry hmm. at times. And I did, I read all the books, I did all the Bible studies, I talked to my dad, who was a great counselor, and I could not get victory over that. Hmm. It's helpful. It's good. Um, this this next one is is really important. So I, I don't want to skip this. Um, if you discipline without a balance of encouragement, disciplining without a balance of encouragement. Um, this I'll just skip right down to this uh, Luther quote, because I thought it was so helpful. Um, uh, Martin Luther said, Spare the rod and spoil the child. That is true, but beside the rod, keep an apple to give him when he has done well. Um, that, is, that is something that's so important for us to constantly be, be, um, be in mind uh, that we, are, we need to be looking for opportunities to praise our children. To say well done, or or to look for that, Jackie. I've I've been like all the time trying to find those opportunities, and it's like you're looking for a needle in a haystack sometimes. <laughs> but you're 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 looking for oh wow, you know, um, great job picking up that one toy. You know, you're looking for every opportunity to say you know that was faithfulness on display. Good job with that. It's not it's not uh, we're so prone in our day and age to compliment. Uh, beauty to compliment, um, you know, smelling nice, all these kinds of things, and yet, uh, and you can say that all day. I mean, I have three little girls, and I could all day long say they're beauty queens, but in all reality, that's not going to help them in their walk with Christ, with their walk with the Lord. God has blessed them tremendously, but if I'm looking at for faithfulness within their hearts, if I'm looking for a way to encourage them for being kind to their sister or their brother, for being kind and helping their mom to do certain things, I need to be addressing those and encouraging them in, in that. It's easier to criticize other than praise, but we make every effort to catch our children doing things that are right and telling them. Our encouragement can be a very valuable motivation for children to choose the right way. And Matthew, that's, that's good. Flattery is not good. So okay. we, we tell, my, my oldest son captured this early. He's like, I never tell my kids how beautiful they are, call them princes, queens. He always he doesn't try to esteem them mm-hmm. because it's not helpful for them. But he always encourages their obedience and their faithfulness. Yeah. And he thinks that that is more helpful because beauty is really on the inside. So he doesn't make a big deal out of flattery. That's good. That's, that's not encouraging. Right. Yeah. So there's a difference between praising a kid for something he has no control over, like his physical appearance, and something he does have control over, like his behavior. And I think what you, you just said, son, maybe more than you realize, you said a kid picks up the one toy, and you related that to a character quality. You said, I forget if you said responsibility or what, but you related it to a specific character quality. And that's one thing that, uh, that my wife has been really good at with our kids, is she would say, well, that is a great example of diligence. Thank you for doing all. That's a mm-hmm. great example of leadership and helping you with brother. Thank you. That's yeah. a great job. That sort of thing. Yeah. They need to know what character is. Christ-like character. Amen. Yeah. In the Katie? midst of that, I have a question. Um, as you're going through that, I think of like my kids where they do something where they're trying to help. Mm-hmm. Like you can see that they're trying to help. Like they're trying to help throw something in the trash or something like that, but then in turn make something 
so much more of a mess. Mm -hmm. Which would you suggest you address first? <laughs> the, the, the negative or the positive? Yeah. Or Mark, do you, do you have any yeah. suggestions? I mean, isn't it so nice when the kid wants to pour their milk? Yeah, is that helpful? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, like if you're trying to put it in a sink, yeah. then they miss. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like they're trying to clean up their dishes. Well, but instead, now I have to. I think it's all about your response. How do you handle that situation? I mean, if, if things have been going awry in the house all day, and then they spill the thing because they're trying to be helpful, and then you unload on them, I, that's the wrong way to handle the situation. But... If you're going to them saying thank you for trying to help, that was that was kind of you to consider that. But in the in the future or next time, let's try and do it this way. Or come and ask mom for help. I'll help you do this. And um, you're kind of diffusing it, but also addressing the the situation at hand because it it it's what you're seeing is it's not that's not blatant sin. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it, there was not a. Uh, positive outcome in that sense but you're it's a teaching moment instructive yeah yeah it's a good question though i wouldn't say but i wouldn't say you did a good thing you had a good intention but oh right sure i'd say thank you that was one thing you wanted you wanted to help and you did help and i know a way you can help even more now <laughs> yeah that's good <laughs> good That was helpful. It is, it's good. I mean, to, you know, recognizing flattery enough, but I mean, guys, it's important that our daughters hear that we love them and that they're they're beautiful. Mm. I mean, that's not flattery. You know, I mean, I'm not talking about the princess kind of, but but they need to hear that. You know, from their fathers. Matt, can I ask about the mess thing, Katie? Um, I had a hard time with just letting them do things by themselves because I just didn't want the extra mess. But then I would let them do it and then say, okay, if you make the mess, you're, go you're going to clean it up. So let's get the towel and then show them how to clean it up. And I still struggle. Sometimes I need to crack an egg on the floor sometimes just to loosen up a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's helped a lot. It's helped. Yes. yes. <laughs> just throw an egg. It, it makes you feel better. <laughs> Jane, were you going to say something? No. I thought you were okay. I thought you were raising your hand or something. You're just waving. Okay. No. No, All right. It benefits them. I mean, it's such a blessing when they can 
when you're able to allow, it takes a ton of work to do what she's saying, but when yeah. you are able to do that, it's such a blessing because in the end they learn, they're better cooks if they're guys or girls, they're cooking more, they're doing more, and in the end, when they get a little older in your house, you can say, I need you to go do this, do this, do this. Well, you know, while you're having guests come over, I need you to make the salad, you, and they learn. Yeah. Because my mother was a wonderful lady, I'm the youngest of seven. The only thing we really, we were doing in the kitchen was setting the table. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I didn't know a lot when I got married about cooking and stuff. So it's, it, it would have benefited her if all of us, she had been teaching us all along the way, but I mean, I can imagine you just, did I say Jeff Grimace when you said <laughs> <laughs> I heard, it? Was just I, heard, a drink. I heard a long time I've the learned. chicken is dry. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's another class. So, so, uh, so next point. Um, no, I was going to ask. Come on, man. Get this truck out of the ditch. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, you know, as as we think about some of these uh, uh, some of these things uh, to consider, uh, we also have to consider uh, that there are fears that come with unbiblical discipline um, that the world really tries to force upon us, and that is that um, you'll thwart creativity. Um, and one, I mean, really. It's very hard to thwart a child's cr- creativity, um, really, if we consider you know, what the world has to say. Um, those who have creativity on overload are really deviants. So um, is that what we want? Do we want to allow a child's creativity to go until your house is um, an art museum because you allowed them to do that? Um, my parents were gracious when I was a little kid. You guys know I like art. And... Um, Dad had this section of wall that was unpainted, and it was drywall, and I just went to town. And um, he was gracious, and he allowed it for a while, and then I think it just got too much, and he decided. But I don't think I've become a deviant. But um, but uh, not thwarting, uh, uh, thwarting your child's creativity, um, a lot of the world will say that that is um, – that is, uh, disciplining, correcting, thwarting your child from becoming who they really will uh, be intended to come. But a child left to himself will bring his mother shame, Proverbs twenty nine fifteen says. So creativity and potential are actually enhanced through discipline. Some of the greatest artists were, uh, were very disciplined individuals. Um, great athletes do not become great without discipline. You guys talked to Jamie Ridgway over there of how much discipline it takes to be the athlete that he is. Um, I mean, it's you're going to talk about hours and hours and hours of training. But un- unbiblical discipline, um, the world will think that uh, discipline will warp the child. Some wrongly believe that discipline is unloving. It leads to insecurity in a child, and therefore the child may grow up to be abusive or cruel or a social misfit, but... Um, in contrast, the Bible teaches that the greatest problems occur when there is no structure. The greatest problems occur, occur when there is no structure. Without discipline, foolishness is left to reign in the hearts of the, chi- of the heart of a child. Proverbs twenty two fifteen, and it goes back to what I said earlier: Are mom and dad on the same page? Do they understand what the expectations are? Do the children know that mom and dad are on the same page? Because friends. If anyone's going to know if mom and dad aren't on the same page, it is a child. A child has a super sniffer when it comes to knowing if mom and dad are not on the same page. They can find it, and they know where to go and press the buttons. And they say, well, I can go to mom and dad about, or I can go to mom about this because I don't want to ask dad. Or I can go to dad about this because I don't want to ask mom. Or if I tell mom I did this, she'll handle it this way. If I tell dad I did this, it's going to be handled this way. They know how to be divisive. But structure produces the greatest security. Structure produces the greatest security. There is a reason that we have uh, people in the business that go and make sure that things are put together properly. Rick 
Mr. Boyer does this all day long, looking at houses to make sure things were put together properly. Mr. Neal back there makes sure that it goes in to make sure that things are put in properly because they will not work well if they are not. And friends, that security is important because otherwise the house or the machine will fly apart. And that's the same way with the parenting. Parenting, having security with, with in the realm of mom and dad and their communication and their planning and prepping, a child knows and feels that security even within their own 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 selves. When limits are known, it becomes simple to avoid the problems of exceeding them, and thus we enjoy the benefits of meeting them. Well, uh, next time I'll I'll try and pick up some of these last few items uh, in our lesson. But hopefully, this has been helpful tonight. Um, I appreciate the input and the going back and forth. Uh, I won't make any comment about chicken, okay? Um, but <laughs> um, I'm going to get out of that ditch. So, uh, if you guys, uh, if any of you have questions, again, um, it, it's it's not like I'm going to go and blow up everybody's social media and say, "Oh, so and so asked this question." You know, I'm I'm, I'm honestly want to hear feedback. If you have a comment about something we said tonight. Um, if you have a question um, on that link that I've sent out to you, there's a text number. You can text it anonymous, anonymously if you want to, um, unless you're Mark Hager. But uh, <laughs> he likes to poke fun at me at times. Um, but uh, thank you for your input and your patience and just uh, being here. It's an encouragement to me and an encouragement to the elders to see uh, the seriousness at which you guys are taking these these topics. Let's pray, and you'll be dismissed. Father, we're grateful for another evening. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth uh, that it reveals in our own hearts, the convicting nature of, of um, Lord, uh, how you put the, the microscope lens. And uh, at times we, when we see through that lens, it seems like our children are the problem, but in all reality, m- most often it is, it is us. We are the ones that are at fault. We are the ones that are wicked and sinful and in need of correction. So I thank you for that reminder. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you and to faithful to the call that you've given each one of us and the responsibility of. Help us to shepherd well within our homes and to lean upon one another, asking for help and to seeking wisdom. We thank you for these truths that make them so clear to us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.